Well, hello, everybody. It's a Monday, so happy Monday to you, and uh, I hope that you are doing well. Let me just invoke favor upon everyone this day. Always can use favor. May there be nothing missing, nothing broken in your life ever. And boy, what we're going to be uh, getting in today, holy crap, Ola, you want favor. So, uh, yeah, uh, welcome. Thank you, moderators. How are you doing, you beautiful people? David Berry. Hello, Julianne Payne. How are you doing? She's down in Australia, folks, all around the world. Marguerite, so good to see you. Nick, hello, Gru. We're going to get Nick back on. Um, boy, Gary Baxter, hello. How are you? Um, Saying hello to D. Morgan, <coughs> Renee, Big Al, uh, David Graham from Scotland. Saw you in there earlier. Welcome and thank you, all you beautiful people. You're amongst a good group here. These people are genuine. And, uh, you know, when we see... <clears throat> the disruptors come in, okay? We just invoke favor upon them and then uh, let them go their ways, right? Exactly. Uh, tomorrow, going to have Miss Trina on uh, a second look. I'm going to be curious because I want to get Trina's perspective on what we're about to get into. And, you know, it's um, this is a heavy subject. I'm just going to tell you right now, this is a heavy subject. In fact, it's so heavy, the books... On this subject, um, I have been researching this since 1991. That's when I saw the giant bones myself. Um, they exist, and it's interesting to see how history has literally wiped out their memory or tried to. It's an interesting thing. You know, when you're up to no good, you end up getting bit in the ass somehow. Someone says, what does the t-shirt says? It says, I don't sugarcoat shit. I'm not Willy Wonka. And uh, that's what it says. So uh kind of sets the tone, doesn't it? Uh, because, folks, what we're going to get into, you know, the problem is if it's been sugarcoated, then, I mean, they failed miserably. And like I said, when you try to do something that it's against the laws of nature itself, well, there's going to be cause and effect. And uh, we've got a humdinger today. So welcome, everyone, again. I hope you had a great, uh, good Thanksgiving for those of you who celebrated. Um, you know, I had a great time. really did. Got a little something the next day, but hey, that's what happens, you know. Uh, you know, you just go on. So, <clears throat> all right, let's get the tea. Oh, yeah. So this subject is heavy. It is. And the books, um, I'm just going to show you a small sampling of my reference library. It'll eventually start weighing in. The Book of Jasher, very interesting. A second here. Um, I always found uh, L.A. inter uh, Missouri interesting. Yeah. Uh, this is a heavy son of a gun, but it's one of the 
best research books I have found. This is Genesis 6 Giants, the Master Builders of Prehistoric and Ancient Civilizations. It's a great, a lot of these are actually textbooks in the way that they're laid out. Told you this was going to start getting heavy, and it is. Um, Stephen Quayle, I know, you know, he's a little more on the religious side, but still, again, um, great information. And again, um, L.A. Marzulli. Uh, and, you know, no matter how you approach this, <laughs> yeah, these son of a guns, you know, you pick these all up, you, you basically got about 25 pounds of material, but each and every one of them. And yesterday, if y'all watched me over on, uh, Jeffrey, uh, Doherty's channel on our Sunday show, it's the long walkers is the book, uh, about the, uh, special forces that went in and whether you're looking at, you know, whether it's the lost world, uh, the fallen angels, no matter how you pursue this subject in the book of the giants, this is a good read. Um, and as you can see, I am, I, I've been doing this a while. And when I find something like, uh, in this case, the book that we're going to be going through, and you know, folks, you can see it's going to be a fun journey. I'll guarantee you this. When we get finished with it this week, it'll, you know, um, you're going to be an expert in understanding a lot of the history that has been um, tried to do a, done away with. So uh, we're going to enjoy it, and it's going to be uh, something. And I remember the skeleton uh, that I saw, you know, it was a good 20, 21 feet. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if you want to say that they're uh, – a genus of man? I don't know. Uh, we're going to have a whole different story. Is there a PDF for some of those books? Darth, I don't know. Um, I haven't checked, but, um, yeah, I'll put a list of this as we continue into this uh, study of the books here. Um, I've collected these for quite some time, and, um, yeah, we'll see what we can do. Um, yes, they did, Susan. And that's exactly who I saw the bones from. Uh, the Smithsonian was a client of mine for a number of years. And, um, I was fortunate to get to see things. And, uh, one of the biggest joys I had was I actually got to go in at 6 a.m. to any of the museums I wanted to go into. I chose the National Gallery of Art. And, uh, wow, that was a trip, man. I mean, I was the only one in there besides the guards and had the whole museum to myself. Yeah. Anyway, um, so let's get right into this. And I just want to state this right from the get-go, folks. Um, let this is going if if you have um a strong religious backing or uh, upbringing this is uh this one will shock you i mean i'm just going to tell you it's uh 
it's brutally, I mean, I'm going to present it as it is, and it's brutally honest, and it's going to present a different point of view, I dare say, most have never even given thought to. So let's rock and roll um, on this. Give me one second. I want to say, oh, let me uh, cancel that. Give me one second as he steers the ship. Sometimes, you know, there are rogue waves and you have to be fully prepared for them, if you know what I mean. I'm sure you do. Okay, there we go. So now he's ready. I know someone's saying it's about time. Well, hey, I get it. I can dig that. All right, folks. So let me go up here and I want to do. There we go. All right. So this is probably going to be a four or five part series. We got a lot of information. I know we will not get through with just what I have done today. I've been working on it uh, uh, over the uh, holiday weekend. So this is the lost book of the of King Og um, and the Raphium. We're going to learn a lot about the Raphium in our little study here. So let's get right to, uh, give me one second, folks, as he moves this up here. I'm hoping that that will get out of my way, but I can see that it is not. <laughs> so uh, I hate it when you got those little bars there. All right. Again, keep an open mind on this. This is all I got to say. All right. If an all-knowing God created the potential for evil, God should also know the results of such potential, should he not? He knows infinite possibilities of past, present, and future. Does he not? Yet, did he not create evil? He is the originator, created all things. Then evil pulled a fast one on God and suddenly placed this restless opposition in place. Where was God? Surely he would have known the pain he was about to inflict upon his creation. If God, a being of complete light, then why did he create evil? And if so, then were, then we are obviously forced to look at him differently. How did Lucifer, a creature of pure light that stood before the perfect God, How did a creature of light that stands exclusively in the presence of the Most Holy God could find that place of dark nothingness, that potentially evil gray zone, and embrace it, thereby becoming absolute evil, all the while in the presence of the Most Holy God? How could this occur? In short, how does God's number one creation turn his back 
on the most holy God. Sin in the presence of God. How? I have found that the name of Jesus nor his blood is of any effect or power against this new evil. Something has been wrong from the origins of the church. Something is wrong with God. Why would any being, whether it be of heaven or earth, choose to rebel against perfection, be it angelic or man? They have seen God, yet reject him. Why? Part of this was from Father Martin, written in Rome, 2016. So, we have to begin to look at some possible realities on this. No matter what your position is, there are just some things that has to be admitted to. How can something so holy create, because it's the creator of all things, it, it that is replete in virtually every religion out there. Now, for those of us who take a more secular point of view, well, it still says that something is responsible for this. Now, we put it into the context of God because that's the frame most people can easily reference to. How does that work? The problem with Job 6 is the it's it's a conundrum, excuse me, Job 1. It's it's how could Satan be in the presence of God? So, let's take a different possible point of view of reality here. Is it possible that God was defeated and this defeat took place nearly 3,500 years ago, if not longer? Think about that. The thought itself of God being defeated by something greater than himself is repulsive to most and ridiculed by the rest as impossible. However, the evidence would suggest that this is exactly what did happen and an unknown has assumed creator supreme. Now, before you reject this as heresy, stop and ask yourself honestly, why is God not manifested to humanity in thousands of years? And could the reality that the reign of the Rephaim, which has been erased from man's memory and history, could this be on purpose? And could there be something still in play? Something that time is not relevant? And could we be witnessing the fulfillment of something most know nothing about? These are some heavy questions. Yeah, I get it. But we're dealing with one of the most primary issues of the existence of you, me, humanity. Is it possible that we have been purposely led into a belief system. And no matter what your side of the coin is, pro, con, 
Yes, no. Opposed, for. Doesn't matter. You're in the arena. We take it for granted, whether it's in metaphysics, whether it's in spirituality, whether it's in religion, whatever, that the assumption that God is God and that it is, however you want to define it, always been titled Creator Supreme in order of some magnitude of that level. Problem is, we didn't think about the fact that if you give a title to something, that title can either be absconded, stolen, transferred, whatever. Hmm. Think about it. So we're going to be reading the personal words of the Raphium. I believe I'm saying that correctly, R-E, Raphium. Who knows? Tomato, tomato, potato, you know, whatever. It's going to be interesting. Now, I've had a lot of people who just can't accept that this is even possible. But the reality is, is that the Raphium ruled thousands of years, if not longer, on this planet. They were the ruling elite. They were the gods, the legends of Olympus long ago in a mystical time that probably was not, number one, mythical, mystical, and not all that long ago. A lot of deception here. This is the story we all know. The young boy who takes down the giant. And, you know, there's evidence that this probably is true. I mean, I I don't have an argument with it. They did rule in the land of Canaan. Now, you have to ask, why did the insects come in and steal the land? We're the insects, by the way. And the reality is modern man knows very little, if anything, about this race, and dare I say a superior race? I know that sounds difficult to accept, but hey, listen, if your normal size is 12 foot and you go all the way up to 40, well, that's a lot of mass. We see it in the legends. And the question really becomes now, are those legends legends or is it actual reality? And here's the other thing that um, is going to be difficult to accept. We were the livestock. And if you were a female, well, you're going to find out, oh, folks, it gets deep, it gets deep. But, uh yeah. Here is the reality, and you're going to f- see it here. But when I say reality, because, yeah, it's not that far replaced from what history has tried to eliminate, rearrange. I don't know. Restack the deck. Our 
recent ancestors, and listen, I, I mean, if you can go back five, 6,000 years, okay, uh, that's recent. That's not antediluvian times. You know, it's recent. And the Battle of the Giants, Canaanites, this is where we're getting the depiction of this battle. Now, these giants, they stood anywhere from an average, like I said, about 9 to 10 feet up to 40 feet. There were some big ones. Um, all through Mesopotamia, in the many different cultures, you see the giants. And, and this is probably much more accurate than what you read, because this is a story. Um, what you see to the right are the females. And what you see are the males to the left under the bondage of the giant was probably its master. Um, and you can see he's separating the females. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into this more. But you see, the stories have been right there in front of us. In the West, and for the most part, the modern world, well, this, these are just, you know, pictographs, the, you know, glyphs that, you know, well, you can interpret as you want. I don't care what you say. The women are being separated from the men, and you can see that the men are absolutely enraged about it, but the giant, he doesn't care. The, 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 the tales that we see from people like Peter Jackson and Lord of the Rings and, um, you know, those stories of a time that they called Middle Earth, well, if that was Middle Earth, then, folks, we were there one time. And it begs a lot of questions. We're going to get into this. How can such gargantuans exist on the planet? It's a, um, it's a conundrum in some ways. Uh, we know that whether it's Marduk or the god that uh, apparently had intervention with the Raphium, um, the problem is, is that you have such religious fervor and zeal that have been, listen, there's a lot invested in these religions, these belief systems. And if you go rogue, well, man, you are a monkey rich into the machinery. But here's the deal. If you look at Ashtaroth, wife of Yahweh, brother of Baal, god of the Raphium, now, this sets theologians on their ear. They did, they start going backwards. They just start doing backward flips, start pulling their hair out, start speaking in strange tongues. When they start hearing this kind of broadcast reaching the amount of people that are listening to it. Because this is freaking heresy across the board. But yet, whether you are of the Druids, the, the ancient times of England, the, the, the place of Europe, the giants were there. I think I read somewhere that it said Ogden uh, hunted the giants. Yes, the giants came from all region. By the time we get finished with this, you will know where these giants came from, how many there were, and by all estimates, they were probably at their peak, well over 10 million all over the earth. The earth was very different. 
They're long-lived. Thousand years is about the average. Some live, lived, maybe still do much longer. And no matter how much uh, of whatever um, culture you want to look at, they're replete, again, with the hieroglyphs of the giants. It is said that the first pharaoh was, in fact, a raphium. The stories are everywhere. This goes back to uh, Samarin, Enki. I believe this is who we're looking at. Look who he's sitting on. <laughs> Did you... I bet you may have missed that one. I don't know if you ever caught that. Um, the stories of the Cyclops. The Giants did have a race. There there was a, a, a race of them that, in fact, were Cyclops. They also had very strange mystical powers. Um, every Giant had uh, the ability to what they called to connect. Um they could morph. They could change themselves into different forms, different animals, different beasts, uh, matching their same height, if not bigger. Uh, some could actually become smaller. But the amazing ability was is that once they connected uh, with ball of the earth, ball of, and you'll see, they could actually take, uh, I guess you would say, control of the really big beast. Here is a good uh, depiction of what a six-foot man would look like. The average, as you can see, from Og of Bashan, Goliath scale. Now, Og, uh, again, we, we got two different stories going on here, but we'll get into that later. Um then you see uh, from the bones that they have found in the what is used to be known as the Canaanite area, um, we could see some of these as big as 36 feet. Again, there are those that say up to as high as 40. All religions, all cultures, they were here. This is a different reality. This is a different um, perspective. But nevertheless, it is replete in the Bible um, as well as in Hebraic history. Uh doesn't really matter, even in the Quran. Uh, it was found, uh, the parcels, and actually it's just pieces, of the story of the giants. Uh, were found in the caves of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, this is one interpretation, I think it's the King James, from Isaiah 26, 14. They live not, the Raphium, they rise not. Therefore thou hast inspected and destroyed them. Yes, thou destroyest all their memory. Uh, here's a little bit more of a modern translation. They are now dead. They live no more. Those departed spirits do not rise. You punished them and brought them to ruin. You wiped out all memory of them. Well, 
I guess, uh, I don't know, you got to ask yourself what the heck's going on here, because if this is supposed to answer the question, now isn't it interesting, the terminology here, ladies and gentlemen, is the fact that they're using the words departed spirits. It's interesting because, you know, that's an admission number one, that they were of a spiritual nature. You can't be a spirit if you don't have a spiritual nature. I mean, that's ridiculous. But the question that comes in, they do not rise, you punish them. Well, you know, that's what you say. We're going to be listening to someone else that has a different point of view. Yes. Because, you see, they said that this was the whole story. Well, not exactly. <laughs> no, it's not. In fact, there's a lot that was left out of the story. This is just my personal opinion. That is the problem with holy books, is that they introduce a thought, a construct, an idea, a concept, but never quite fill in the beginning and the end. They're just giving it to you and say, now you just take it for what it is and just go on. No, no, no. If you're going to introduce even the idea well, then let's get down into the minutia of this. What we would say is truth. Well, it would seem that there is a certain, I don't know, if you want to call it elites, if you want to call it um, a secret club, society, ruling class, whatever, they have known for a very long time what the truth is. So here's what we're going to have to begin to deal with. The fact was, the earth today was not the earth of yesterday. And if you take timelines, well, the whole Genesis thing, the whole thing in Matthew, you got to throw that out. It, 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 no, nah, no, nah, that's this fairyland t- in place, you know? Because the problem is, is that there's a chunk of history that's not being accounted for here. And the problem with this is that it's been integrated into the story, but weaved in such a manner that it distorts its origins, purpose, and reason. Why? Well, again, they have a very, they've invested a lot into the modern day Theologies. You start coming in and messing what the almighty gold, dollar, material, wealth, you know, power. Oh, yeah, that's the elixir. An elixir it is. So as you can see in here, um, this is quite the site. As you can see, it's where it's actually from, I can't there. Uh, give me one second here. Tunisia, as I thought. Yeah, that's kind of weird, isn't it? Think about it. Hmm. Yeah. And if you think it gets, that's just a uh, rarity. 
have yourself the giant acorn. Now, some people can say, well, now, Wayne, that's just how, you know, it was eroded. Yeah, well, um, that's your point of view, and you're certainly welcome to it. There are others' point of views. Now, we know in the West, when they started cutting down the giant redwood forest, these trees went up a 1,000-plus feet into the air. They actually built a restaurant uh, and bar on the stump of one of the giant redwoods. We we have such short memories, us humans, that even when we see pictures of this, many of the younger generation will say, well, I don't quite believe that. That can be altered. Listen, it did. I, I actually, you know, remember um, with my father, we actually went through uh, the giant redwood forest um, in Florida, all along the Gulf Coast. Uh, there are the remnants of the giant cypress swamp trees. These cypress trees, uh, the Indians say down there, went thousands of feet up into the air. Um, we don't think that that's possible, but even if you look at um, this monument here, Devil's Tower, um, many contend that it's not a lava flow we're looking at. It's actually a tree stump. Um, it's hard to accept because this would begin to have to imply that the earth today had to have gone through some dramatic physical changes. I mean, if you think about a tree measuring well over a mile, that means that the tree itself would be potentially four, five, six miles up in the air. Today it would freeze because at that altitude. But we have just been trained to look at things differently. And when you're trained in school, you are molded into a certain way of thinking. And although that there are exceptions to that rule, such as commercials, theater, entertainment, which can alter reality and you accept it as perfectly fine, but when you begin to look at the physical evidence, it kicks back, well, no, that's impossible. That just can't be. Well, you know, to each the uh, beauties and the beholder, uh, the eye that sees. But when you see these all over the world, what you would see today would be called a butte. Um, these are typically as well in very high altitude places to begin with. And then it's not even the talk about the artwork that well, to say that a mere man of average size would do that, yeah. But again, we would be talking about creatures. Now, there is in the book of Enoch, it says that these first Nephilim, Raphim, um, 
we're nearly 4,500 feet tall. Now that defies all reasoning and all logic, but go read it for yourself. Measure out the, what the, uh, the cupids is and you know, listen, whether you want to take the royal cupid or if you want to take the standard cupid, it's still going to be really, really tall. And we see the fact of how wood begins to morph and become stone. And that is an accepted science, but it always is amazing when we find many times buried the old ancient forest. What is even amazing yet is that some of these actually are still out in the ocean. Remarkable, isn't it? But it's true. And then, of course, it's been so well pointed out uh, with Roger over at Mud Fossil University, bringing to the awareness of mankind of a time when there were life forms of such magnificence that the Raphium, the Nephilim, knew about them. They hunted them, tried to tame them, fed off them. And we see evidence of a peculiar time of creatures that defy logic. But nevertheless, the earth is their resting place. It is said that many of these first-generation raphium were of such of a spirit connecting to something us humans have been completely ignorant of. We may have another term, but really we don't understand it. They do. They're the ones that dealt with them, whether it be the dark ones, the bright ones. These were forces and energies that these creatures morphed themselves into the very earth, knowing that there was a promise yet to be fulfilled. And they were going to leave their essence for when the fulfillment of the promise came. And folks, this is where the story gets weird. You're going to learn what that promise was and who made that promise. So it changes things. A whole different perspective. Lava flow or tree? The Rephium are everywhere. No matter what you may think of what pictures can be altered, you can really look at some pictures and just know it is, as they would say, not photoshopped. But believe as you will, this was, um, this is the reported giant of Gandhar. There he is. Um, I happen to believe that this is probably authentic, but you have your own point of view. As I said, it only takes you one time to begin to realize, seeing the bones, that they were here. And even amongst the sapien sapiens of today, of the modern world, we see the gene 
that they infected us with. These were creatures of such, I don't know if you want to call them intelligence or knowledge. They, they didn't seem to be real bright to me in a lot of ways, but they were violent. But nevertheless, no matter how you want to look at this, it is not foreign as you think. When you begin to see a samurai, the length of nearly 10 feet, explain to me how one human of average size, particularly of the Japanese race, could carry this, much less use it in battle. They were here. Their footprints are everywhere. They show up all over the world. And whether it's the gargantuan gene or all the way down to midgets, it's we see it. It's a part of us. It's a part of our history. It's a part of our culture. It very well is a part of what one may consider to be God. But don't think for a second, folks, that they were not here and probably still are. From the time of the colonizations of Patagonia, the stories of the British Navy meeting the giants of Patagonia, to ancient Egypt, to places in, I believe this is Thailand, I think, it may be Cambodia. They were here. This is not make-believe. And the implications on religion, culture, is enormous. And as much as the ruling class has tried to hide this, to destroy the evidence, to create an illusion, a delusion, yet the bones continue to surface. And there's other species that lived here, most likely still do. But even in the Americas, their legends go back to the ones of the natural people, the original people of the Americas. So we stop at this point in the program to say, now that you have your opportunity, go do your research. You're going to come up with the same thing I did. Now we get into the serious stuff. I have to tell you that the church, that is the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, Apostolic Church, have cursed anyone who reads the book. I kid you not. Woe be unto thee who shall destroy thy soul by reading these words. And whatsoever disciple of heresy and of the heretics or schematics, whose ever names we have scarcely preserved, have taught 
or compiled, we declare to be not merely rejected, but excluded from the whole Roman Catholic and Apostolic Church and its authors and their adherents to be damned in the extrabital of Anthemia forever. I think that's an inextricable, excuse me. So there you go. You've been warned. Leave if you want, but hey, it only starts getting better. So folks, this is the history. This is the reality. And modern man cannot accept this. Why? But it puts him down on the chain, the pyramid, the ladder. But you know, isn't it odd how things haven't really changed all that much from, you know, nearly 3,500 years ago? We still worship the same idols. We've just uh, repurposed them, re-engineered them, and remolded them and brought them out. Today, we worship basically, well, you're going to find out uh, here. So, the primarily players in our story is this. We have King Og, well-known, but if the biblical accounts are true, then there is a serious charge that history has been rewritten. Nimrod, well-known as well. And here again, if the accounts be verifiable, then here is yet again another charge that history has been rewritten. They have found the tower. It was Nimrod who basically was the architecture, and it was the giants who helped the insects, I mean, excuse me, the smaller cells, us. And we're going to talk about Baal. Now, what has been thought and taught about Baal has been mostly from an Abrahamic point of view. However, as more writings are found, there is another account of who Baal was, and especially to the Raphium. I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't look good for us. We have, anyway, I'll go on. All right, so you're going to be hearing about this war. Uh, the war is primarily between King Og and Nimrod. But it, it, it divides the race, the raphium as a species, uh, and it was circumcision. I know, sounds weird, but truly, that's what in essence it's about. Uh, but the circumcision, whoa! I mean, you start opening the, the, the door on that one, and you know, it's literally a thousand doors appear. Ball. Now, Ball asked, why would you maim what was created perfect? Good question. I mean, let's take this from a biblical point of view, all right? So God fashioned man from the earth, and what? Was the foreskin an afterthought? Not a thought at all. And if it was a defective thing, then why would God have created it to begin with? Hmm. 
I don't know. Nimrod was a Raphaim and was the first to have circumcised himself. Oh yeah, we're going to get into that. It appears to have been required before the advent of man. Og says that uh, he was around before any man was around. The theme, the antithesis of this story is we have two opposing parties. Classic thing of theater. King Og hated Nimrod. Now, these are the last and only words spoken by Og, the Raphium, as told to Anzal, the slayer of the smaller cells. Us, humans. Before Baal. Baal of the earth, who keeps our gardens fertile. Baal of the earth, who guided Og's completed loin wrath from when the old world, the monsters, stood until after the time of the great waters. Ball, who will reverse the unspoken mistake. So let's just stop here, because I want to give you some guy what's going on here. So Og is not about circumcision. And, and, you know, and in his thinking, you do that, man, you've just defiled yourself. Well, so does Ball. Ball thinks that as well. Um, anyone who has been circumcised, if Ball was, in fact, and is, uh, uh, where very well might be, um, yeah, you got some explaining to do. This is a bad, bad guy. But anyway, um, so there are different gods. You have ball of the earth, ball of the moon, ball of the sun, ball of the cosmos. Um, ball is the one who kept their garden, their gardens fertile. Fertility, big thing, big, big, big thing. Um, now, he talks about the old world monsters. We think the dinosaurs were the monsters. I don't know. There may be something far worse than the dinosaurs. Um, the, and the great waters, that's the flood. They knew the flood was coming. These people, this race was clairvoyant. They had the ability to prophesy and anyway. And then finally, the unspoken mistake. Big, big deal. And you're going to see just how big of a deal it really is. All right, we go on. Now, this is this is Og talking. The loose-bowled false priests led mighty Og, Nimrod, and all the Raphim to the unspoken mistake, that embarrassing which cannot be named or fixed until Baal intervenes. The stupid, unspoken mistake stains all of us to the inner loins. The mistake in the fields that the false, loose-bowed Raphim priest of Baal led us to perverting all of us. Colorful language, you have to admit. So, in the beginning, you got King Og and Nimrod, they make a pact. And, and Og is saying, you know, King Og and Nimrod sacrificed to Baal. Og wrote, we cut bodies into pieces and laid them upon the wood and poured four barrels of oil upon the flesh. Then the fire of Baal of the sun and consumed the sacrifice of false priests. 
Anyone else getting like, where have I heard this story before? Ezekiel, anyone? Almost, the, 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 the context is virtually the same. The dark smoke of the cursed Raphium flesh, smoldered, sacrificed, burned for ball of the earth, and the promise of fertility. Fertility, big, big, big deal here. So, this species, um, they ain't got no problem killing their own. Even if you're on the same side and eating you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're, boy, anyway, I, I'm not going to let, we got, as we go forward, whoa. We encouraged the vermin-like smaller cells, humans, of both kingdoms, both complete and incomplete loined, present at the sacrifice to feast upon the corrupted flesh of the Raphian bodies. So, folks, what they did is that they taught us how to basically eat food for the gods. Now, this gets deep, 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 deep. I mean, for those particular of you who have studied, uh, whether it be Hebraic, uh, Christian, uh, any of the more detailed aspects of the worship. Um, the fact that in here it's actually said that humans ate potentially maybe a distant cousin of or, 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 or eating human flesh. Cannibalism. Yeah. <laughs> Deep, isn't it? And you can see what the Raphium think of us. We're vermin. We're smaller cells. That's what they called us. So Og and Nimrod make this pact. During the time of the sacrifice of the loose bald, bald, excuse me, fecal priest, I, Og, governed my half of the great land and Nimrod his. I, Og, continually marveled over the tranquil peace between our war tribes. Nimrod's Nephilim kingdom enforced circumcision, while Og's did not. Told you, this is a big, big deal. I mean, who'd have ever thought? Uh, yeah. But again, again, in the Western culture, for the most part, and I dare say many other cultures around the world, the ignorance uh, uh, of circumcision. You know, the modern thing is today is that, well, it was thought for the longest time that, well, there were medical things, cleanlessness, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it didn't quite work out. Uh, yeah, and you think something that is so rarely spoken of in the society culture today would be such a big deal. But yeah, I think that's, that's to our, that's our ignorance. He goes on to say, in that season, the kingdom of Og formed a pact of brotherhood with all remaining Raphium tribes and lands. This pact introduced the vermin-like smaller cells to ball worship. In the pact, I called the mighty hunter, hunter Nimrod blood of my own lineage. Now with the death of all remaining Raphium upon Nimrod, dry fecal hands, I no longer honor the cowardly half-loined Nephilim hunter called Nimrod. 
Man, this is serious hate, folks. This is the type of hate that, man, I mean, legends are made of. And now you can see how they, how they had to word this, uh, ambiguity in the chapter, uh, the Genesis 6 chapter. The, the men of known of renown of old. So what the hell does that mean? Uh, how am I supposed to know or understand men of renown of old? I've just read your story and it wasn't in there. Well, yeah, it might be that the big part of the story is missing. <laughs> and with good cause. So you can see here, bloodlines, very important uh, to the Raytheon. Very, very important. Uh, and there seems to be a difference, and I can't quite nail it. I've read the book, and I'm going back and doing some more. But there is a clear difference between a pure Raytheon and a Nephilim. It may be that the Nephilim were, in fact, contaminated with, you know, the little ones, the, the smaller cells, blood. Who, who knows? Um, we're going to find out what Ball has to say about that, by the way. All right, the large-scale beast. At the end of the great battles, with the unspeakable large-scale beast of old, food in the kingdom of Og was scarce. The Raphim, brothers of animal husbandry, and the great beasts, the farmers and the tamers, Gog and Magog, had both turned their gray eyes to the magnificent Leviathan and other beasts, excuse me, that should be beasts, of the sea for meat. The beast of old, we fed upon the forgotten gods of a lesser time. Another huge thing here. Number one, boy, where have we heard of Gog and Magog? Boy, if you're thinking a book of Revelation, you got it. And it's in there in the beginning where, oh, yeah. Um, but the unspeakable large-scaled beast of old. Now, apparently these were gods to <laughs> maybe the smaller cells. I don't know. Maybe a different species here altogether. Not sure. But they were of such size that when a giant is saying it was unspeakably large, you can see now how those fossil remains of the Leviathan, when they begin to get 100, 200, or more miles in length, yeah, that, that becomes a really big deal. All right, and I like that. It says, we fed upon them. The forgotten gods of a lesser time. Wow. Now, before we get out of today, let's, we'll, we'll get right to this one here. Humans, not the highest. Only the half-loin Nephilim, cowards, murders a child. For this offense and more, I regularly urinate upon his dead fecal bones, his corpse, until the meat and the offal peel away. <laughs> Nimrod's land used the smaller cells for food in secret. He traded them to the kingdom of Og for labor in the open. Nimrod also forced the males of the Nephilim males 
and the smaller selves, selves males to be circumcised. Nimrod, the dung smeared of mind and loin, raised smaller selves as secret food meat. Well, I'll pick back up on this on Wednesday because, folks, it just gets more intense. So, yeah, I don't know (laughs) how you want to interpret this, but it's a different history. I mean, it's, it's, it's the most reprehensible type of history um who knows blazing risen that, that's a good question um of uh, uh it it's horrifying to us i i can see why we would blanket out i mean there's nothing of any other religion that talks about humans merely as a meat source Oh, we're going to get into a story, folks, that is absolutely freaking horrifying to the consciousness of humanity. And the thing about it is, it it apparently, as we get more into this, it seems like we were willing participants. We knew the horror of this. Um, yeah, there is something that's just, listen, you can say, well, this is just all fantasy, all made up. Well, I don't know. You know, I've read the library Lilith. I mean, (laughs) I didn't have anyone, uh, particularly challenging on that. I mean, Lilith seems to care the, scare the crap out of most people, religious or non-religious. Often wonder now, was the first, you know, you think about this. Is there a story here that we are just not getting? Um, I don't know. We'll pick up on this on, uh, on Wednesday, folks. It, it gets, I, I'm telling you, by the time we get done with this, you will be an expert and I'll be curious to see how this impacts your perspective on the origins of humanity. How does this impact us spiritually? How do we deal with something that is this brutal where we seem to have the salt and pepper all through our stories of these creatures? And my deep concern is, and I'll just tell you, I'll just leave this as a teaser. Baal promised. He swore an oath that he would bring him back. <laughs> Take that for what it is. You know, we're going to find out. Well, thank you for joining me. I hope you found this. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Susan, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I hope you found it uh, as fascinating as I am finding this, because whether it be true, whether it be not, whether it be somewhere in between, the evidence says that something was here, something either was completely removed or completely 
how should we say, made to be hidden right in front of us. I don't know. Well, thank you. You honored me with you here. Thank you all. Much favor to one and all. Keep warm here in the Northern Hemisphere. You folks in the Southern uh, surfs up and uh, much love to you all. We'll see you tomorrow with Miss Trina in a second look. All right. Bye-bye.